From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Political Football, week 14, and in case you haven't been able to tell, I don't sound exactly the way that I do normally. I'm a little bit under the weather, and that is because the Maddie Ice household has been hit with COVID-19. Uh, my wife and son tested positive today, and I'm pretty sure I'm the caboose on that train that's going to be headed out there real soon. Uh, so we're going to skip the formalities of where to find the show on Instagram because nobody gives a shit. And uh, we're going to get right into covid because that's where Dave wants to start, and applicably, it has hit the household. So, gentlemen, how are you? I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I, I finally memorized where to find the show on Instagram, but now you say nobody cares. Why didn't you tell me last week? Well, you you let people know not to care when you said I didn't know what the fuck it was. So uh, I just assumed we could skip that <laughs> this week because the listeners really care about what you have to say, and you said I don't know what it is. So why should they care? So I figured we'll just skip it this week because if they want to find it, they can go to Political Football Podcast on Instagram, Maddie S Media on Twitter, and MaddieSMedia.com for all your podcasting needs. Dave, take it away. Okay, so uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm a little concerned about all the COVID. I'm, you know, I'm uh, sorry to hear about about your family and probably you as well, Cleva. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about you know the, the household there because um, you know you guys have become family. Um, I've, I've known Matt probably a year, a little year, year and a half before I met you. So I consider you guys you know, like the family I don't have anywhere else. So um, I, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little I'm a little upset that you know I've been around them. They've done everything possible, right? You know, being responsible, being you know socially, you know, it's just sucks. I'm just tired of this shit. It's fatigue. Well, I will tell you. Did, did I tell you guys where where we picked it up or where we think we picked it up from? Uh, my kids' gymnastics class, and not from one of the kids, but from the vaccinated staff. That's the worst part wow. is two vaccinated staff members uh, caught it or were tested positive. We found this out on Monday at like two o'clock in the morning when when our son was was up all night or most of the night that night. And Chris felt like crap. And then I was like, I feel fine. So we went and got tested anyway. It was one of those the drive up ones. And then they came back positive. And so I'm like, well, I guess for good measure, I should get tested. But like, I, does it really matter? Because we're all not going anywhere anyway. And to your point, Cleve, we're doing the right thing. If I was one of those assholes out there who doesn't give a crap about people, I would just go all over the place and do what I was going to do originally. But, you know, yeah. it sucks. The timing sucks because we're 10 days out from Christmas and we're supposed to quarantine for 10 days. So Merry fucking Christmas to me. Wow. So, let me ask a stupid question here. Sorry, Dave. <clears throat> um, so do they do they tell you like if it's just regular? I don't even know what, what fucking variant we're on now. Is it? Did they tell you what it is or no? Omicron. Matt got off brand. He got off brand COVID. Yeah, I could have <laughs> Bobo. Bo- Bobo COVID. He, yeah, Spartan stores COVID. <laughs> it. They. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the test, but the only word that I actually cared about was it said positive. That's all that. I, positive. Now, now here's the funny part. In the test, it said the standard answer is negative, and I'm like, well, there's only two fucking answers. Like it's either positive or yeah, negative. You're not yeah, like yeah, half yeah. and half. Yeah, it's not like just the tip COVID. Well, that's my other part of the question. So, like, would would someone and Dave probably can answer this better than better than you? Like, if you if you tested, would you be able to say, you know what, let me get a two out of three to see if it's a false a false positive, or like, what would uh, you do? 
it would depend. It would depend on the test. The at-home tests are not super accurate. I mean, they're accurate enough. But if you get a positive on an at-home test, take a second one just to be safe. But if you get a PCR test, I mean, that's a lock. You know, yeah. if you get a PCR test, what it says is what it says. That's when you need to travel internationally. That's the up the nose swirl around. That's the one, one they got, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one they got. Now, I'm taking an at-home test mainly because of the fact that I only have been around them for the last few days. So I, yeah. It, yeah. if it comes back positive, I'm not going to take it again because it's most likely accurate in this in this case because we have data. I mean, again, in my case, even if I'm not positive and that's a false positive, I'm still taking precautions as if I'm positive because there's two positive yes. members in my house. Yes. Yeah. And so the uh, other thing, if I understand Dr. Fauci correctly, is that the at-home tests test whether or not you are currently infectious they do not test whether or not you have the virus only a pcr test can tell you if you have the virus if you're not yet infectious because there's that lead time in between so even if you get a negative at the at-home test if it hasn't been long enough since you contracted it you may actually still have the virus you just couldn't give it to anybody quite yet yeah so either way either way um (coughs) it's not ideal but uh, thankfully, it seems as if everybody's in good shape, I think, because we've taken care of ourselves and, you know, we, we got double vaccinated. Of course, we didn't have a booster, which I don't think that really would have mattered anyway, because it, we we're so close contact to the person who actually did catch it. I mean, he was touching James, for God's sake. So I don't think it really would have mattered. Plus, that kid's a little germ factory anyway. He's been spreading germs yeah. for the last like month and a half. So this is like the third variant of some kind of goop that he's given us at this point. So we're, me, my in-laws, everybody. He's just been sick for the last six weeks it's so stupid like we just go in this phase and now it's like well let's just dump covid on top of it what do you um like what are your i know this is a little uh premature what like, what do you plan to do forward like are you going to keep them in activities going forward or are you just going to be like you know what let me ride this thing out make sure that it's the springtime again and that we're good what are you gonna do I mean, we're just going to keep sending him. I mean, again, he's going to get sick regardless. Like, we, we're we going to put him in daycare. He's going to get sick there, too. Yeah. Not necessarily COVID. Uh, it's not going to change what our future plans are. It's just it is. I mean, we can't. We can't shut ourselves off from this because we have we're two working parents, uh, you know, and he has to get socialized at some point to the world and his immune system needs to get socialized at some point to the world. So if we kept him in a hermetically sealed box the entire time, then by the time he actually did come out into the world, man, it would be real bad and he'd get some like super virus. So he's actually been doing well. We have a nurse uh, friend that's on, on, I say on call, but on text call. And she's basically like he's going to get over it faster than you guys are. Because yep. his little immune system is just like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's good. Like yesterday he was so sluggish and I was like, man, this can be bad. And then today he was just running around the house, uh, picking up everything he wasn't supposed to, throwing shit all over the house and he doesn't give a shit. So he is back to normal and it is what it is. And, you know, we'll, we'll weather the storm, but, uh, it's just, you know, it's just unfortunate timing. Not that it's good timing. It's like, man, I you wish I could have had this, you know, this instead of now, but it is what it is. We're not going anywhere for Christmas anyway, so we will be here, and the show goes on, fellas. Yeah, Cleve, I'm going to give you a team, a name of an NFL team, and a dollar amount, and I want you to tell me what the dollar amount represents. Okay? Yeah. The Cleveland Browns, forty-four million dollars. That's how many people are out on the roster, salary-wise. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> 
That is 100% I took, correct. I took a shot in the dark with that. <laughs> if uh, That was better than my guess. Man, if I, we should have made that like Final Jeopardy. I, I <laughs> really was not expecting that. That is absolutely fantastic. Yes, they have $44 million of their salary cap on the COVID list right now. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, so what, it's like, what, 180 is the salary cap right now? Like 182? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I saw that list I sent you guys offline. I saw the Washington football team had an equally as long list. Um, that list was brutal. Yeah, of names, but they're only at fifteen million dollars. So they've got like some scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> the dust ball but, list. Well, that's the thing about the Lions. The Lions had like twenty-one players up for the last game, but they're only at seven million dollars because it's a whole team of dust balls. Wow, that's amazing. That's a that's an amazing stat. That you know, wow, that's amazing. The uh, the guess yeah. that I had Dave queued up was uh, Case Keenum's annual salary when they pay him after this year because they're not going to pay Baker. That was my guess, but uh, <laughs> I, I like I like this one better. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean the NFL is just being hit uh, so hard with COVID right now. As of my last check, and it, we're recording this Wednesday night. As of last check, there were ninety players currently yeah. on the COVID list. Here's the thing: there's only like fifteen hundred players. Right. So 10 percent is 150. So 5 percent is 75. So we're at like 6 percent of the league is currently on the list. That's a lot. Yeah. Can they actually play these games this week? And if they do, are we in danger for Christmas weekend having to cancel a bunch of games? I mean, it's only going to get worse, right? Well, we've seen them trot out the the Denver Broncos with no quarterback. So um, they're going to feel the team. It's a 54 man roster for a reason. 52 man roster for a reason. I can't. But the issue is that with the with the Broncos quarterback, there was no vaccine, so like everybody was all kind of close together there, and they got it here because people are vaccinated. Aaron Rodgers because they're vaccinated, like they haven't been wearing masks around each other inside and all that. Like I think the spread is already happening, and this problem is already like they, they're in the protocols now, but it's too late. Like I think they're already yeah. going to be seeing yeah. more of these over the next ten days. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Matt. No, I was going to say I can't wait for the backup center on some team to have to quarterback both teams because they need a quarterback because that's who's going to be left or Jared Goff will be throwing to the backup center because he won't have anybody left to throw to. I think Jared Goff is throwing to the backup center this week anyways. I, I, I really... Is it irresponsible of them to play these games this week? That's hard to well, say because we have a vaccine. You know, like yeah. last year, we all felt pretty much in the same boat that they probably shouldn't have played at all. But I don't know what they do here because you got... I mean, how many players are vaccinated? Although it does make me wonder how all these players that are catching it, are these the players that are are supposed to be vaccinated but they're not you know we and we're just not finding this out quite yet because it's a larger problem that the nfl wants to keep hush hush well that's a great question matt because i think that the and this is just me speaking not maddie ice media or dave or matt the um i think that we're not being told how bad the breakthrough infections could be because a lot of a lot a lot of people are being told hey we're, we're, you know we're all vaccinated and things are happening faster so i think they should just come out and says hey you know the breakout i'm sorry breakthrough infection rate is a little higher than we thought and we're, we're the booster should help curve that a little bit or whatever it is because what's the odds of 90 fucking guys like you know doing the old uh antonio brown there and just getting a fake a fake card probably pretty high but uh yeah, probably. <laughs> higher, high, higher than we, wow, we ever I, want to admit <laughs> but um but so the thing is, is that so you, it's actually a great point that you bring up, Cleve, is about the breakthrough infections and Omicron, near as I can tell, doesn't seem to be any more lethal than the Delta variant, nor does it seem to be more readily transmissible, but it is more transmissible 
transmissible with the vaccine. So the Delta variant with both vaccine shots and then a booster, on average, a person has about 95% immunity, give or take, against the Delta variant. For Omicron, it's 75%. So across a large enough population, that makes a big difference. Well, yeah, because the the variants are adapting. So yes, and that's that's my point, Matt. Like what? Like today, today's point just now. What's to say that our our shields are being lowered a little bit, not not um on 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 purpose, but that the next variant becomes a hybrid of both the Delta and the Omicron, which is spreading faster and killing faster. Uh, so a couple things. One, this is why it's important to vaccinate the entire world because as long as people aren't vaccinated, the variants will keep spinning up. Mm-hmm. So that's why like. It's not enough to just get people vaccinated here. We have to vaccinate like every single person in Honduras because if we don't, we're going to get the Honduran variant, you know, or something like that. So um, uh, that's the that's the first thing. And I actually forgot the second thing. Go ahead. No, either way. I mean, we just have to keep doing what we're doing. And I don't know about the NFL, what they do here, because they're ultimately going to protect the bottom line. So even if it's irresponsible to play, they're still going to play and they're going to make us believe that they're doing the right thing because that's what the NFL yeah. does. So, yep. I, I mean, I don't know what they do. We're all in a they tough spot here. They didn't cancel any games in the midst of the raging pandemic last year. Remember that? We were, we were in the, the throat of it last year, you know? Counter argument. It's raging more amongst unvaccinated people right now than it ever has been in the past. Yeah, I think Which it is, is all the fans that go to these games. So to both of your points, it may be irresponsible to have fans, at least fans this weekend, to say, hey, you know what? No fans. Yeah, that I could actually buy. But again, that hits the bottom line because the NFL already took a whole season without any uh, gate revenue. Oh, so, yeah. you know, some of these yeah. guys were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's back that up here, please. We need we need that gate, baby. Sorry, mm-hmm. I remember the second thing. Um, Khalif, you mentioned it like we'll get a variant that spreads faster and is more more deadly for when you catch it. And of course that's a terrible combination that we don't want. Yeah. Matt, don't answer this because you're a math guy. So you might know the answer to this, but Cleve, here's the question. Oh, Yeah. Let's say here's the SAT. Let's say that we get a new variant. Would you rather it be more transmissible than Delta or deadlier than Delta? More transmissible. That is 100, that is 100% incorrect. Really? And that's because transmissions go up exponentially and deaths go up linearly. So if you were, if you get, if you get it, you'd rather be more transmissible than more deadly. But for example, let's say that it's uh, 100% more transmissible um, and also 10% more deadly. The number of cases will skyrocket. And so even though the percent of people that die might be the same, the overall number of people that die will be much higher because it spreads so much faster. Yeah, right. That's, right. Yeah. You'd rather have you'd rather have it kill 15% of 100 people than 10% of a million people. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So Virginia just hit this millionth case two days ago. Oh, <laughs> I might have been it. <laughs> I was about to make that joke and I was like, maybe I should not. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing sensitive about it from my perspective. You know, it is what it is. And we're more worried about the two year old in the house, but clearly he doesn't give a shit. So it, it'll, it'll all be <laughs> totally fine. And speaking of people that don't give a shit, can we talk about um, Urban Meyer for a second? I know we're going to get to the Jags, but I'd rather talk about this separate from that game. Um, yes. This is so great in so many different ways. Now, before we even came on air, full disclosure, this whole like kicking the kicker thing just dropped like a couple of hours before we got to the show. So this is just fantastic. However, I want to play a clip for you guys from 
the latest news conference that Mr. Mr. Urban Meyer was asked a question about, um, I believe it is some problems within the locker room. What's the answer? Uh, start leaking information or some nonsense? No, no, that's nonsense. That's garbage. That's, uh, you know, that's once again, I've been very blessed. I've not really dealt with that. I've, I've not dealt with, well, did you hear what he said? What? No, let's improve on offense and get our quarterback in a position to be successful. That's our focus. What someone's brother said or someone said someone said, that will that will occupy very little of my time. And if, if there is a source, that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds, if there's some source that's doing it. Uh, my sources tell me that Urban Meyer will be fired, not the source will be fired. <laughs> well, well uh, how is he going to fire Trevor Lawrence? Yes. Here's the thing, Dave. This is this is kind of like this is kind of like uh, <laughs> walking oxymoron, if you want to say. He talking about leaking the irony of that when they when on his watch he he didn't know of of a staff member beating his pregnant wife. Oh no, allegedly. he knew. Yeah, yeah he knew one hundred percent. So yeah, knew. so yeah, he didn't fucking know that. Um, didn't it just come out like a few days ago? At least uh, Khan came out and said, "Don't uh, know the Jaguars that we're gonna." I keep him but after seeing the shit that came on the field Sunday I don't know if that's even like a thing like who who can they get in the league that could go to, J- to Jacksonville so here's the thing Shad Khan can only show confidence in Urban Meyer up until the second he takes him out like uh, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas <laughs> like, right like you're confident all the way up until the last moment like he can't be you know what I mean so that's Khan can say whatever he wants to say right here um Urban Meyer doesn't take accountability for anything. Nope. This is his core failure as a human being. He he never owns that. any mistake. He never owns the misbehavior of the people around him for which he's responsible, whether it's an assistant coach beating on his wife, allegedly, or his players firing off guns in apartment complexes in Florida, bullets going into random apartments, not allegedly, pretty sure that happened, but allegedly just in case, like Chris Rainey texting a picture of a gun to his ex-girlfriend who's trying to get a restraining order, allegedly. And also having that fucking gross-ass pool in your in your stadium. Top of the list. Exactly. <laughs> he takes no accountability for anything ever and he's always been able to skate by because he's always been winning football games wherever he's at. Yes. Urban Meyer sucks. He's an absolute trash human being. He might be the worst NFL coach of all time. And he should never get another job ever again unless it's Notre Dame. Let me ask you guys. So the team before Urban got there and before Trevor Lawrence got there under Minshew um, two years ago, that team was okay. So you get the number one quarterback in the draft who was obviously, you know, a great talent coming in. You're giving the keys to a a Porsche and you turn it into a Honda Accord. No no disrespect to anyone who drives a Honda Accord out there. So he should be fired the fact that these guys aren't even motivated. Like they they're looking they're looking worse in these losses as they pile up. Were there two and nine? Two and eleven. Two and eleven. Jesus. By the way, my wife drives a Honda Accord, so there you go. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. respect. So, <laughs> so, also, also, my team has fewer wins than the Jags. That's correct. Here's the thing. But here's the thing, though, Cleve, is you said they handed him a keys to the Porsche. Like, that organization, has it really done anything of note in a really long time? I mean, yes, they, they made it to the AFC title game against the Patriots a few, you know, handful of years back. But I'm saying over the course of just, say, the last, what, 15 or 20 years, developing quarterbacks, you know, sustaining developing yeah. quarterbacks, like, they yeah. 
having this they had some good guys. They had the Fred Taylors. They had the Morris Drews. Uh, they had, you know, they had a couple of good, you know, good years, formidable years. Yeah, but, but yeah, what, you're right. What year was Fred Taylor drafted? What year? Uh huh. Way earlier than you think. Really? Yeah. yeah. I probably was, I probably was still in like middle school when he got drafted. Which 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 year was that? I'll, I'll give a true or false. I'd say like 1996 well, or 1997 or something like that. I'm, I'm fairly certain he was drafted in 1996. Yeah. That's the, year, that's the year I got out of college. Yeah. That was a billion Ooh. fucking years ago for the yeah, Jaguars. Yeah, that was a thousand. Right. <laughs> Maurice Jones-Drew is now on TV, and he and I look exactly the same. <laughs> so it's been a while since he was in the league as well, because I'm pretty sure in a 40, he would still beat me, but I would, I would be within a step. My Man. my point is, is they hired Urban Meyer to take over this new rebuild, but they've never really been fully committed to doing so. I mean, didn't they kick out Coughlin because Coughlin was basically too old manish to do this, too boomer to actually do this or something like that? And so they bring mm-hmm. in Urban Meyer, who's never coached a game in the NFL. I understand that he's a college coach, a prominent college coach, but it doesn't necessarily translate. We've seen that how many times now? I mean, Matt Rule it wants to run the football 58 times and that's not going to translate to a bunch of wins especially when McCaffrey's out but he's Urban, going too but the thing about Urban Meyer is the story with like the players are coming out and talking about the way that he talks to them and this Josh Lambeau story is perfect for this because apparently the kicker is doing is warming up and Urban Meyer comes up to him and apparently allegedly says hey dipshit make your kicks and then legit kicks the guy in his leg and <laughs> And the kicker is like, don't ever fucking kick me again. And he says to the yeah. guy, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever I want. Like, you cannot do that to paid so, professionals. So, yeah. So, he, he, he thinks he's going to go back to his office and yank the guy's scholarship. That's what the fuck he thinks. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Technical difficulties on Davidson. Oh, he's waving us off. You see, I might actually leave this in. This is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, Cleve, like... Trevor Lawrence, I'm actually wondering to myself, is Trevor is Trevor Lawrence starting to become Sam Darnold, or is is he young enough that he can turn it around? Because Adam Gase did irreparable damage to to uh, uh, I mean, Sam Darnold. I mean, the fact that the kid, the fact that the kid, um, he uh, he basically didn't. He hasn't come. He hasn't come out yet to say anything. He's towing the line when most guys in his his position know the coach could be fired because say, hey, you know what? We're out there trying our best, but the game plans don't seem to be working or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think I don't think he's Sam Darnold just yet. But um, if they retain Urban for another year, it's going to get ugly down there real quick, bro. That's my bigger question: is if they retain him, are they going to do irreparable damage? Because I think you can kind of consider this year a wash and start over. And Trevor yeah. Lawrence still has a ton of talent, but he yep. just and I'm actually not I'm not unconvinced. That Trevor Lawrence didn't look as bad as he did in this last game on purpose. So now we've lost Dave permanently. Dave doesn't know what he's doing. His sound setup is just awful. It's because it's because we know where he got that mic from. See, that's a story that, 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 that that's a story that has not been put out on the airwaves just yet. So I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, forgot about that. That's true. Um, so Cleve, uh, I have to ask about Zach Wilson because we're we'll, we'll get back into the games here in a minute, but. Uh, 19 of 42 this week yeah i think honestly man um you know i tried to i tried to uh to give him a benefit of the doubt but again because we've had a couple of quarterbacks come in actually three quarterbacks come in and have success with this team um given even that he's you know he was injured at one point um it's 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 bad it's 
I have never seen um, someone lost in an offense. I mean, can they simplify it for him a little bit more? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know what all. the answer is either, but it's starting to look more and more that maybe he is uh, not the worst of the of the five yet, but it's not trending in an upward direction. Let's put it that way. Who's, who's worse than him? Apparently me. Hey, there, there he is. Go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, I, I literally have no idea. I'm just never touching anything ever again. That's all right. We'll leave all of that did in hear, because it's did no you hear any, Did you hear anything that we said about the what is like? What are your thoughts? You hear anything with, that we that we're talking about? Uh, no, I literally have no idea what you were talking about. But that's fine. Don't recap it for the listeners. I will <laughs> continue talking. I will put it together from context clues. Yeah, and it was gotcha. about bad quarterbacks. So moving along to this week's game, starting in. Minnesota with two of Dave's favorite pe- people, Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Zimmer. Whew. Man, do I hate these people for completely different <laughs> reasons. Um, the Steelers 28, the Vikings 36. This game sucked, and then it was really exciting. Uh, so first, they said the Vikings had a big lead in the third quarter. Then they took a, stooping ta- a stupid taunting penalty on a third down, on a Pittsburgh third down that gave them a first down. And then all of a sudden, like, Pittsburgh couldn't stop scoring. It was the weirdest the weirdest thing, but Cleve, the biggest in this game was Delvin Cook. 27 carries, 205 yards, and two touchdowns. Wow. Carried it, it was a game-time decision. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, because I got you a text saying, hey, is he going to play? I mean, you had Dalvin Cook something, and I was like, wait, is he playing? Is he back? That's because in the PF post game, Dave asked that Madison have a big week for his best ball leagues, which were ending and the playoffs were starting. So that may have been why he said <laughs> Dalvin Cook is fucking playing in this game. That is correct. I was I was tilting my face off until he ran for 200 yards. I was like, well, I guess he's healthy. <laughs> you think? Trash-ass Steelers. Um, this was a big swing in the playoff hopes for, for each of these teams. I mean, the Steelers are not technically out of it, but the AFC is so tough. That's going to be a bit that's going to be a bit harder for them. And the Vikings, again, if they had blown two games and not throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson, they would be in it, but they got a lot more work to do. Their path is a little bit easier because the AFC, is, to your point, is is very stacked right now. Yes, but they, the NFC West is also stacked, and the Vikings are chasing them. They are, but, I mean, I I feel like, well, you're, to your point, though, they should be in a lot better position. I mean, Jesus, yes. they have so, they have Dalvin Cook. He's he's able to do this, and I just don't understand that team whatsoever. I want to ask, though, uh, this whole Chase Claypool thing, was that way overblown? Yes and no. It was overblown in the sense of the actual outcome. So if you missed it, at the end of the game, clock running, no timeouts. Chase Claypool makes a catch and gets tackled in the middle of the field. So, of course, they can't stop the clock. And instead of, like, rushing to get up and give the ball to the ref so they could get set and spike the ball, he does the full Spanish archer, like, on one knee where he, like, pulls the ball back like he's drawing a bow and arrow, like, all slow. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of stupid. An offensive lineman ran over and took the ball and yelled at him. And so it wasn't very smart, but I think it really cost them like four seconds. And I don't think it even cost them another play in practice, but it was really, really stupid when he did it. Well, well, here's the thing. So in football, I played, um, and you learn this from like a little, like from peewee, all the way up to probably the pros. You do, if you look at thousands of like, I'll, I'll be in my jaws here, thousands and thousands of fucking film that you watch. Every player knows to do that in a, in a two-minute drill situation that time is precious because it's down in distance. You know what I'm saying? Doing that, and the refs kind of have some, some gravity there, but they're going to call it. I mean, is that really taunting? 
is that really really taunting? Well, they you didn't know? they didn't call it. It just wasted time. Yeah, like he he didn't get hit with a penalty for that. He did get hit with a stupid penalty earlier in the game. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this one this one was just uh, wasting time. Now, Cleve, I know that you played, but I don't think it fits here because they have the forward pass now, and so that sort of changes the calculus. <laughs> but yeah. you got to know you got to know that that in football, like like most sports that have a, a running clock, that. Time is precious, and it's a very pre- precious commodity. Today's point, four seconds, does that really give you another play? It, you know? it, it, I mean, it may have. I, I didn't watch it close enough, but, you know, it may have taken away one shot at the end zone, which, of course, is a huge deal. But I didn't – when I was doing the math quick when it happened, I didn't think that it did. But it easily could have. So, like, that's results-based. Really, just, like, get up and get a move on. Like, know the situation of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. where I was going with this was that the the posing is not a problem. Like, so many people of the boomers were like, oh, we shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, that's actually not the problem. But this is now two, two things from two of their prominent players. Najee Harris not knowing that a tie was possible and Chase Claypool not knowing how much, how little time that they had and what the situation was. Like, to your point, pose whenever you want. But if you have limited time and you're trying to get down there and tie the game, just get up and go. Right. And I think that it's fair to have that assessment. Like, don't care that you taunted or whatever, but just know the game situation. And that's interesting because we've we've mentioned this with Mike Tomlin now. It's like, how is, is this a Mike Tomlin issue or is this a, a specific player discipline issue? You know what I'm talking about? Well, Chase Claypool went to Notre Dame, so maybe if he had played real football in college, he would know these things oh, a little man. bit better. And if Woo. he had had a moral, non-morally corrupt coach. Oh, sorry about that. Is the take thing. <laughs> Who's now Southern, by the way. Did you guys hear Brian Kelly at his first LSU basketball game with a Southern accent? And I'm like, you're my from fucking My family. Yeah. My family. And I'm going to get canceled trying to do a Southern accent. I, uh, you did it I better apologize. than he did. I mean, yeah. We both kind of <laughs> sound like Forrest Gump, which makes it a real problem. Um, but yeah, it was, he's like, he's from Boston and has lived in the Midwest for 20 years. What is he doing trying to sound like somebody from Louisiana? Like, bro, we all know who you are and where you're from. That's why we hired you. Like, you don't need to sound like us. It's okay. So if he goes to MIT and and they get a football team, he sounds like Pythagoras. Is that just- <laughs> <laughs> no, my fear is that when Jack is when Deion Sanders goes with, goes to Florida State, Brian Kelly takes over at some HBCU and tries to sound like he belongs there. <laughs> and there's a campus riot. Sorry, to, sorry to get us off topic there, but that tickled yeah, me when I saw it because I'm like, never once did he sound like a Midwesterner, and he's from fucking Massachusetts. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> man, it's good stuff. Matt, can you do the rest of the show in a Southern accent? Actually, you're also from Massachusetts. I'm, yeah, I probably could actually. It, it would sound just as bad, if not worse. My family has COVID. Um, Jesus. All right. All right. Anyways, uh, we'll move on from uh, uh, COVID positives and Brian Kelly to a real tragedy. We got the Saints thirty at the Jets nine. Uh, Cleve, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think Zach Wilson might suck. Might man, like I think you're like seven weeks too late now. So tell me that Evan Silva from Establish the Run made a really good point. He said that to him, Zach Wilson looks a lot like Jake Locker. Wow. And that yeah, and that he's really athletic with a big arm, but he keeps missing the really easy throws. And um, yeah, I actually forgot to to write down his numbers here, but he was like. 15 of 41, something like that. 19 of 42. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Something something really bad. So, you know, he, I'm not set in my take on him yet. If he comes out in like the first six weeks of next season and he looks fine, 
I will be like, okay, completely fresh start, settled in second year, whatever. But the doors close on him very quickly. Here's the thing, Dave, and and you know you're a big draft guy, college guy, stuff like that. The fact that a I don't know how quarterback late in the new draft is coming out. It's awful. But but he he could get beat out for a job. That's how bad he's playing. Where you're optimistic in saying that next year he gets six fucking weeks. I don't I don't. This looks as you were having your technical difficulties. Matt and I were kind of talking about that. I don't know if it's a matter of simplifying the offense, but but as to your great take, he's missing like some of the like the easiest shit. Like just just run a four and in. To be and fair, hit the guy. To be fair, it's Evan Silva's great take. Want to want to be sure that the uh, that yeah. the take gets the proper credit. I have the bad takes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: who's going to beat him out? Joe Flacco will be in a retirement home. White Mike will probably be the quarterback of the Steelers. Like, you know, I just gonna, I don't know. We're gonna get the we're gonna get Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Honestly, at this at this point, they're basically the same player. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Basically, uh, basically, Zach Wilson's trying to make filet mignon, and he should be trying to make mac salad. That's what he should be trying to make. <laughs> He's gonna be selling insurance next year. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Keep this shit up. Uh, another thing. Uh, that the draft people were talking about is that he like was never under pressure at BYU. Yep. And when he was, he was being chased by defensive ends from Utah State, so he would just casually roll out and throw the ball downfield to various Romneys. Like he can't do that now. So I could see his game taking a while to like catch up and translate and develop and whatever. So I'm not ready to throw just completely throw away throw well, throw it out. Win, but it's a win now league, man. It's been it's been that for the last fifteen years where we're seeing, you know, like you said, we're seeing rookies get pressed into action right away. And he got pressed into action right away. So he was in a precarious position, to, you know, to get going. And we've seen three different quarterbacks, three different quarterbacks vastly different from each other, come in with the same offense. Well, I'm sorry, the same um, personnel in that offense and had relative success, meaning not wins, but they were able to move the ball. They would move the chains. This guy can't. He can't really hit a fifteen yard out. You know. Yeah, what he sucks, fuck, bro. I, I'm just saying that. Like, there's reasons to understand why he might be way behind the eight ball here, mm-hmm. and why very similar to Josh Allen. He's nowhere near as talented as Josh Allen, even even coming out of college. But very similar, where you're like, well, of course this guy's super raw, doesn't know what he's doing, he looks terrible. But let's give him a year and see like what what it is that he's able to do. But he doesn't get a full second year; he gets six weeks in the second year. If heading into Halloween of next year, he looks like this still, he's done. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that. I, six weeks a little generous. I give him I give him the first. I give him September. I give him September. That's fair. And don't forget, though, he had the the throw of pro day. So that means a lot right now. <laughs> it's funny. So did Josh McCown, which is who they should have, which is who they should, they should be starting. Yeah. Uh, Alba Camara back in this game, 27 carries, 120 yards and a one touchdown by like 27 carries for Alvin Camara. Yeah. Man, that's 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 a lot for him. He does not normally get 27, 27. He's sort of like 18, 19. So they were really leaning on him. And that's about all I have for this. I mean. The Saints are totally irrelevant, but they're capable of beating up on the Jets. Yep, yeah. that's it. The next game, we have the Falcons 29 and the Panthers 21, and the Birds take a two-game lead in the Birds versus Cat series. Very true. And the Falcons somehow are at six wins, even though I thought they had three. Yeah, yeah so I did too. <laughs> the, last, the last note I had on this game is the Falcons are six and seven. Cleve bet on the wrong trash squad. True that. Jesus. 
I know the Falcons so. are going to get to that seven win mark. What, wasn't the Vegas line like six and a half? And that was, it was. pretty high yeah. over. I mean, they're, they're at six. So how the fuck? I don't know. Whatever. But yeah. the Panthers uh, are absolute trash. Yes. And this game was not as close as the final score indicated. The, pa- no. the Falcons were in control of this game the entire way. And the Panthers are platooning Cam and uh, PJ Walker. And I think Matt Rule might actually be a stone moron. Yeah. He's going to get fired. I, I didn't think he was, but Cleve, I think you might be onto something. I might have, I said no last week, but you you might yeah, be onto something no, here. It's 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 um well you guys said last week he, he he technically said he got rid of the problem, the play caller for the off and then we see this bullshit. I so, so hope Joe Brady was watching this game on Red Zone like, see <laughs> the fuck? This is awful. I could have done better than this. Oh wait, I did do better than this. Yeah, uh so really again, nothing much from from this game. Just wanted to touch on it basically so the fans of the teams listening know we talked about their team, but we'll see you both next year. Correct. Um we have the next game we have the Seahawks thirty three at the Texans thirteen. And I've been saying for two weeks we're gonna have the big DK Metcalf game. And in this game he has like four catches for fifty yards. This was it. So he had a touchdown called back on offensive holding. He had another touchdown uh, where the defensive back committed a very wise pass interference penalty because he had smoked him. And then on an, a slant from eight yards away, Russ threw it behind him. Russell Wilson, the most accurate quarterback in the history of the world, just missed a wide open slant from eight yards out for another touchdown. They got a call from Vegas. That's what the fuck happened. This is this could have easily been like a nine catch, 170 yard, three touchdown day for DK Metcalf. Yep. Not, not to mention the fact that uh, David Cully this week said that uh, they were going to start Davis Mills the rest of the year because he gave them the best chance to win. Threw for 300 yards, and they lost by three touchdowns. So that tells you everything you need to know about the Houston Texans right now. The Seahawks are 5-8. and eight. Is 9-8 and eight good enough to get them into the playoffs? It might. These are, their last, these are their last four games that they have to win to do it. This week they are at the Rams. Then they are home to the Bears and at the Lions. And then they are at Arizona. So if they beat the Rams this week, they are looking at like they should be expected to be winning in and maybe in the last week against Arizona. It's possible. Yeah. But watch, this will be where the Lions sneak another win and lose the first round pick. Yep. God. Oh, man. They had better not. I, they, they had better not do that. I'd be I'd be I'd be so upset. Hey, the play is called cover zero. <laughs> Cleve's going to call lose it in. Pick. Cover zero. Call it in. Can you imagine our live Twitch draft show this year that I might I might be doing from Vegas if uh, the Lions are picking second and the Houston Texans oh, take Aiden Hutchinson? <laughs> I don't even know who we would take. He's, Better be Stingley. Anyway, he's going to look good in that uh, they're just going to put his his head right where the old JJ Watt one used to be, and they're just going to trot that back out there. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. So the next game here, we have the Raiders 9 at the Chiefs 48, which is Scorigami. Yeah, it is. So we got Scorigami here. I, he, they said it was what, the 1,067th unique score. Something like that. Yeah, it was, <laughs> nope. it, it was crazy. Uh, the important thing about this game is that in the pregame, the Raiders decided to hold the pregame meeting at midfield of Arrowhead Stadium and then proceeded to lose 48 to 9. <laughs> But yet, if you saw that score, you'd think that Mahomes had a great game, and I think their running backs had like four touchdowns. Jesus. It's stupid like that. It was like Edward Solaire yeah. had at least two. Derek Gore, yes. not Frank Gore, had uh, had one at least. So yeah. it's it like an Oprah game. You get a thing. You get a thing. You get yeah, a thing. Unless, unless you're Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, Cleve, I have a question for you. Yeah. How many ended zone targets 
does Travis Kelsey have this year? How many times has the ball been thrown to him while he is standing in the goddamn end zone? Uh, well, I guess 28 targets. One. That he's standing in the end zone. Uh-huh. Yeah. One time they've thrown the ball to Travis Kelsey while he is physically in the end zone this year. So someone tell Eric Bieniemy what the fuck's going on with that. Travis Kelsey has six touchdowns this year, which is a real testament to his skill that he's got all these touchdowns for the tight end position and they're not throwing him the ball when he's standing in the end zone. Like, I, I feel like this should this is almost like a throw it to Jefferson thing. Like, when you get down inside the 15-yard line, have Travis Kelsey run in the end zone and throw him the ball. Am I crazy? No. That's what they've been That's doing. ridiculous, bro. What kills me about this is for the last two off seasons, we have, we, I think, the three of us, for the most part, have been saying that Eric Bieniemy should get a shot at one of these 32 jobs. He certainly deserved one over Urban Meyer last year. But I feel like this is going to be the year where all these people who don't want to hire him are going to say, see, look, see, look what happened. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if all the criticism goes on him. But to your point, Dave, it is very interesting that it's like, how do you have this guy who's clearly getting toward the end of his prime and you're not going to throw to him in the end zone but one time? Mo Alley Cox has four end zone targets this year. Is that a real guy? Cleve, what team does Mo Alley Cox play for? Is that a real guy? Yes, it is. <laughs> it that's is. A real, that's a real guy. Holy it is. Shit. He played basketball at VCU, I think. It's possible. I think I think he's I think he's a VCU Ram. Okay. The point is is that he's like the ninth string tight end of the Colts. Yeah, the Colts. And yeah. He's got four end zone targets this year, and Kelsey <laughs> Kelsey has one. So throw it to Jefferson. Throw it to Kelsey in the end zone, please. And until the Chiefs look good against a team that's not the Raiders, I'm not buying it. Me neither. That, that's those are the two games where they've looked like them, themselves, but that we right. haven't seen that against anybody else. And the Raiders are trash. So sh- show me something. Show me something, son. Right, Cleve? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next game here we have the Ravens twenty-two at the Browns twenty-four. And this was a game. Two big things. The first is that Lamar is injured, sprained his ankle. They're saying he's going to be back to play this week, or they, they haven't said it officially yet, but they haven't ruled him out yet either. But I mean. He was not, he still was not looking good. And Tyler Huntley looked fine, threw for over 300 yards, got Rashad Bateman involved, got Mark Andrews involved. I'm not so sure they shouldn't sit Lamar for a week. It might not be a bad idea. Don't they have a tough game this week? Don't they have Green Bay? Yes, they're home to Green Bay. Yeah, but Huntley almost, they almost came back. Like they almost came back and won this game after looking like absolute trash in the first half. So. And speaking of almost coming back to win this game, I cannot believe I have to make this argument, but I've heard all sorts of morons on the television not understand this. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to explain it here later in the game. If you are down by 15 points and you score a touchdown, you have to go for two immediately, immediately. So in this game, the score was 24 to nine. Cleveland was winning the Brown or the Ravens scored a touchdown to make it 24 to 15. John Harbaugh goes for two because it's the only option. It's the only option. And the announcers are confused and they're like what are you doing kick the extra point make it 24 to 16 and now it's a one possession game it is not a one possession game it is a one and a half possession game and you don't know if it's one possession or two possessions by going for two the first time you now know if you've made the two-point conversion or not so now you know how to call your plays how to use your timeouts how to plan the rest of the game knowing you're either down by nine or down by seven if you wait until the last the second time you score and now there's a minute 30 left how did you do your timeouts before that if you miss it right if you miss it 
now you, you might not have any timeouts left. You have to go for two when you're down by nine because you need as much time as possible with the information of whether or not you have got the two-point conversion. This is so basic and so simple, yet I hear Troy Aikman and all these other people just tooling off about how they don't understand this, and it literally drives me insane. To be fair, Troy Aikman, did, they didn't have analytics back then, and he handed the ball off a lot to Emmett Smith, who ran the ball like 50 times. So the, the, I feel like some of these announcers, if they're former players, if they were a player long enough ago, they don't really understand like the, the, the nuance of the game. Like I bet I don't think Romo would have said something like that. No, I don't think I don't think Romo would have said it either. But it, it wasn't just Aikman. He's just yeah, was saying some stupid or whatever. It was a lot of people, a lot of talking heads, Twitter eggs, of course. Now understand, this is not an, an this isn't even an analytics decision. This is a basic common sense decision. Like pretty, you have to get the information first, so you know what to do for the rest of the game. Like I, you know, I, I'm not saying that it's necessary to do it in the second quarter, but as you're getting later in the game and possessions are very valuable, you need to know if you're down by one or two possessions, so you know how to coach and manage the clock during those one or two possessions. It's like it's like playing 21, and you, <clears throat> do you hit on 17? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It is. You know, Troy Aikman's out here like I like to live dangerously, like having just no clue how to how to, how to play this game. I, I, yeah, I was just I was just floored. So for any of the listeners out there who may have been who may be wondering about that or why you should do that again, being down by eight is not one possession. It's one and a half possessions and you don't know if it's one or two. So being down by eight late in the game is not advantageous. Now, if you're down by 11 and you have to kick a long field goal to get down by eight, that's different. But when you down 15, and you score a touchdown, go for two. So, you know what you need to do. I like it. Let's take. The next game here, we have the Cowboys 27 at the Washington football team 20 at one of the strangest games I have ever seen in my life. It feels like the Cowboys won this game 500 to nothing. And then then it felt like they lost the game, even though they won. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were see this one. They were they were running clock because they were winning this game by so much. And then Dak just threw an insane pick six, like one of the worst pick sixes, like Carson Wentz level bad. Wow. And then all of a sudden it was game on and the football team had a chance at the end. Uh, Cleve, I do have a question for you, though. How many touches in this game for Ezekiel Elliott? Keep in mind, Tony Pollard did not play. How many touches for Zeke? Eight. Thirteen. How many touches for Corey Clement? Sixteen. Fourteen. Wow. Corey Clement got one more touch than Zeke in a game they were winning until like six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're not even feeding Zeke when they're winning. Zeke is literally a fullback. I mean, they gotta. I mean, they're paying them, so they gotta do something, right? I mean, he'd be the most expensive uh, clipboard holder, I guess. Him and Chase Daniel. No, it happens, bro. How many? How many guys got these contracts that were just like, holy shit? Yeah, but when you're giving Corey Clement more touches than Zeke, you're kind of telling on yourself at that point. And when Pollard does come back, hopefully this week for the best ball teams, uh, just feature Tony Pollard as the primary back. It's and stop fucking around. I mean, if you're giving Corey Clement more touches. The, the, the jig is up. Just yeah. make Tony Pollard the feature guy. Is Dak playing not that great this season? I, I don't want to necessarily like generally blanket statement that, but there's something that has seemed very odd offensively the last few weeks, and they were calling some really cutesy plays that were completely unnecessary, like fake tosses and then the Mahomes underhand. Th- and I'm like, why are they doing that? Like, they, that's I don't know. 
So Steve Young made the point on uh, Monday Night Countdown uh, for the young kids out there. Steve Young is a Hall of Fame quarterback who is now over 60 years old, you guys. Mm. Um, uh, so just a couple years behind Cleve. But Steve uh, Young Steve Young made the point that Dak is clearly playing hurt. And he said specifically about this awful pick six. The reason it was so bad is that Dak wasn't thinking about his technique or his reads. He was thinking, is this going to hurt when I try to do this? And Steve Young said, I can relate to that. I played with nagging injuries all the time throughout my career. So I'm speaking from experience here. And if you look at the splits from like weeks one through six and week nine till now, when he had that calf injury and missed a couple games in there, he was definitely better to start the season than he has been now. So I think there really is something to the fact that he's playing hurt. Was it one of those like he threw right to the guy or 50-50 ball? Like he just threw it up and it's just like somebody he, th- he threw the ball. So it was a, it was a uh, play action waggle and he threw the ball literally to the middle linebacker as if the middle linebacker was the intended receiver. Wow. Like so he drilled him in the like drilled him, him. No, I drilled him in the numbers. Oh, so then, yeah, yeah. You you either you either just like you said, either you're hurting so bad your shoulder or whatever's hurting so bad, like fuck it. Or I try to throw it above him and he he leaped and got it. If the guy was standing still and he threw right to to, to the bread basket, then yeah. yeah. It's almost like the middle linebacker ran a butt hook and got a perfect pass. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's the kind of throw Jimmy G would make. <laughs> Man. But however, there only, there was an insane interception in this game by uh, by the Cowboys defensive end. I can't remember. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Randy Gregory. Yeah, uh, it was an insane interception. Tipped the ball up, did a whole one eighty to find the ball in the air, came down with it, and still was able to catch it. Uh, it was it was a pretty insane interception, and I think that was after a turnover that the Cowboys had just had just committed. Mm-hmm. So. This is a weird game for a lot of reasons. Like like you said, Dave, it seemed like if you if you watch this game, you think the Cowboys look real good, but their defense looked good. But yeah. the offense as a whole did not look good. And like this effort is good enough to beat the football team, but this kind of effort in the playoffs is going to be a go home. Yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, Micah Parsons is now getting hyped, not just for Defensive Rookie of the Year, but for Defensive Player of the Year. And I think that might actually be warranted. Ryan Clark from ESPN had a point. He said that if he played full rush end, he would break Michael Strahan's sack record. And if he played middle linebacker, he would break the season's tackle record. Yes. And he, and he just goes back and forth between both, middle linebacker and, and rush end. Basically, he's Luke Keekley and Von Miller. He's got yeah. he's got that field presence like he just knows where to be and I hate to use this comparison because I'm not comparing but it's kind of like Cleve you always talked about LT just would show up and be able uh-huh. to do it and like Micah Parsons just seems to always be in the right place at the right time like so rarely do you see him out of position and he just seems to have a nose for wherever he has to be whatever they're asking him to do the versatility is crazy uh, I'm actually going to make the comparison I actually think Lawrence Taylor is a fair comparison for Micah Parsons right. like Micah Parsons ceiling if he's a first ballot hall of famer we're going to be like is it Micah Parsons or LT I mean that will be the discussion if Micah Parsons hits his absolute ceiling well if you look at like the best uh rookie campaigns by a linebacker like there's a four or five of them that really stand out and like Parsons is going to have better sack numbers probably than LT did in his first year which was one of the top five best so I'm with you there but I know people like to throw out comparisons all willy-nilly but just thinking about watching him play and it's like there's that intangible that you just know that he's going to be where he needs to be at and you can't coach that like it's just there and i think that's the part that i'm comparing yeah but it's like that's the part i'm comparing where if you're the coach you're like i don't even have to coach this guy 
Like, I know that he's yeah. going to do whatever I have to do. The difference is Micah Parsons isn't coming in with cocaine under his nose, whereas that's what LT was doing to make himself <laughs> allegedly. successful. Allegedly. allegedly. He also allegedly did some other things, too, that we won't talk about here. <laughs> Didn't Lawrence Taylor once say about Terry Bradshaw that he could not spell cat if you give him the C and the T? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> It's good stuff. To me, that 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 is like if I was president, I would waive all felonies. That is amazing trash talk. And if it's true, it's the best kind of trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, win Terry's money. Um Wow. All right, the next game here, we have a critical matchup in Matt's favorite division. The Jaguar Zero at the Titans 20. So we talked about Urban Meyer, and then I had some audio issues. So I don't know if you guys touched on this. But did you guys talk about the assistant coaches? No. no. Okay. So apparently he called his assistant coaches losers. Oh, yeah. Said, that's... I'm a winner. You guys are losers. Then he went around the room and made each of them give their resume and demonstrate how they've been a winner before. Get the f- – tell me your fucking joke. I'm not. I'm not. Wow. This is as real as Mo Alley Cox. Wow. This is wow. real. So let me get this straight. So this coach, who is a first-year NFL head coach, has two wins. Two. Right? The Lions should have four. Two wins. And he's going to go around the room and tell everybody how he's a winner when in the current product that he is coaching, he's an absolute fucking loser. Like, of the highest order. Yeah. Man. David fucking Cully has the same amount of wins as Urban Meyer. (laughs) He won a national title at Ohio State with Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Marcus Lattimore, and Joey Bosa. And Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, too. So, like, as a college coach, you need to acquire the players. So he gets credit for having the players. But now that he's in the NFL and everybody's got good players, it is clear he has actually no idea what he's doing. No. (laughs) And, like, he's not even able to adapt in any way. And this interaction just shows exactly what we've been talking about, that he doesn't take accountability for anything because he's showing up there saying, I'm a winner. Well, guess what? In the NFL, it's not I'm a winner. It's a collective. We are winners or losers. And the whole team, I mean, the whole team's been bad. So it's not as if it's all Urban Meyer's fault. But as the brand new head coach of this team coming in with all this hype, I'm going to give it like 95 percent Urban Meyer. I mean, I mean, honestly, man, I know we're we're taking that. That's a bit much for this fucking guy to do something like that to these guys. A bit that's much. Fucking that. That's unfucking believable, bro. That's that like saying bad. the Menendez brothers did a bit much to their parents. <laughs> yeah. I, Dave, I thought you were gonna say made the assistant coaches take a lap in the pool out in the uh, oh. out in out in Jacksonville, Duval. Here's the thing. Everybody now the the hot conversation is: Do we blame? urban meyer for trevor lawrence's decline and i'm wondering like do we blame him for aaron hernandez well that like, too. <laughs> like like how much of i don't mean that seriously but like how much of the problems of the players that he has coached in the past what, are actually he, because he had su- they had such a moral failure of a head coach at such an important p- time in their life didn't he coach riley cooper too he did yeah man the hits keep coming St- huh? stand up gentlemen in society aren't they <laughs> wow. yes there's a uh, there's a great uh, photo where er, where Tim Tebow's warming up and he's throwing to Riley Cooper and then Aaron Hernandez is the hands guy catch it to hand it back to Tebow when they're at Florida. That's crazy. <laughs> but you're yeah. not you're not wrong about that, Dave. 
though, because when you're in college, I mean, we're kind of well past the idea. We talked about this, I think you and I once about Bobby Bowden, as he was like the last coach who really wanted to turn boys into men type of a thing, like going mm-hmm. into a, a living room and saying like, hey, I'll take care of your kids. And like Urban Meyer is is not that. And especially when you're recruiting and you have no limitations on who you will recruit, no matter what kind of background, he was not in the business of actually helping any of these kids. He was in the business of winning football games so he could continue to get promoted and promoted and promoted. And so if he was bringing on all of these kids who really could have used somebody more like Bobby Mm -hmm. Bowden, then I think your point is extremely valid. And of course, a lot of it is conjecture at this point. Like we can't prove that this is true. But if he's a morally corrupt dude and you have a bunch of people on the team who are also fairly morally corrupt and could use some kind of a rudder. He's not that. There was a player at Michigan, uh, Sean Crable, the mid to late 2000s, five-star recruit linebacker. Guy played for the Patriots for a little bit. Um, in his freshman year, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story here, but at, at the end of his freshman year, Lloyd Carr called him into the office and Lloyd Carr just said, where do you want to transfer to? And Crable's like, what do you mean? And Carr says, well, it's very clear you don't want to be here. And I don't know what's going on, but something is happening and you don't want to be here. And like, it was Coach Carr's way of broaching the subject. Like, what is the problem? Something's wrong. Something's going on. What is it? Whatever. They talk it out, whatever. Crable does whatever he needs to do. Ends up getting drafted and has a terrible late hit on Troy Smith in the 06 game, but whatever. The point is, like, he stayed and worked it out, but, like, Lloyd Carr took the time to identify something was going on with one of his players because he took the time to know the players in the first place. If something happened with Aaron Hernandez at Florida that set him on the path that he ended up on, Urban Meyer never would have noticed it anyways. No. Because he didn't care, and he didn't care to know them anyhow. So I'm not actually blaming him for anything like that. Um, But, like, certainly he there was zero chance he ever could have helped yeah, he's a sweep it under the rug kind of a guy. Like, make it go away. Okay, sorry. So, going from that to my next note on this game, it's just a question, and that is, uh, can Cleve outrun Julio Jones right now? <laughs> I didn't even realize he played in this game. I know he, we thought he might come back, but I totally didn't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. Neither did Julio by the looks of it, but uh, he he might actually he might be done. He might be he might be finally be time to hang him up. I actually have to go back in the archives because I think Cleve gets to take a victory lap on this one because I'm pretty sure early in the offseason when he was traded, he, he was like, I we asked how many weeks into the season was it going to be before Cleve called him done. I think he said five weeks. That's about how long he lasted. So I will yeah, go back yeah. and find that for you, big guy. <laughs> yeah, no, Cleve, 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 one hundred percent got got the Julio, the Julio opinion correct. Uh, it like it's like the dark matter to his Lions take that just balances out <laughs> the universe. Speaking of awful Lions takes, we got the Lions ten at the Broncos thirty eight. Teddy uh, two gloves. Yeah, we might have you might have remembered last week where I said that the Lions were going to win this game thirty four to thirteen. Since then, they had 20 players out with flu and another seven out with COVID, uh, which as of December 5th, 10% of all new COVID cases in the country were in the state of Michigan. Man. Good job, people. Yeah. My people. Uh, why don't y'all put on a fucking mask sometimes? Uh, anyways, man, fucking hellhole up there. But so the team either had the flu, was getting over the flu, missed with COVID. No TJ Hawkinson, no DeAndre Swift. The leading tight end was named Brock Wright. Oh, that's good. 
Okay. That is a that is a real person who was the leading tight end for the team. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown had 12 targets in this game for the second straight week, but Whatever. the Lions had no hope. So my take, like going into the game, my take was off the table, but I, of course, couldn't do that in the in the recording. The Broncos looked great against the hapless opponent, and the, even in such a dire situation, I thought the Lions would look better. So props to the Broncos for looking, for looking really good, but I don't want really to take much away from this game. No, the only thing I took away from this game, I think I told you guys this, and by the way, Dave, you'll you'll be happy to know that whenever my son does something wrong, he goes, "Oh, Dave." So he has. <laughs> so and my in laws were like, "What is he saying?" Like. My in laws were like, "What is he saying?" And I was like, "What's wrong, buddy?" And he goes, "Oh, Dave." And I was like, "Oh, damn, that's gonna stick now." So because uh, I he I got him to say that because he actually mimicked me, and I just said, "Oh, Dave," because like it was twenty one nothing. A Broncos and I was yeah. like, oh Dave and then he just blurts it out oh Dave and so we started saying it all day and I was like all right and now it's sticking so it's become instead of oh James it's oh Dave and I'm like oh that's so good I'm glad I'm having such an impact on the children he knows like when when your voice comes on if he hears it he goes Dave so he knows <laughs> oh, that's cute. no all right that's uh that's actually that's actually pretty nice it doesn't really take away this thing of a 28 point no. loss to the fraudulent Broncos but uh <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad there's at least something there. Uh, Khalid, do you have anything to say on this game in your Detroit Lions? No, I mean, I mean, you know, um, in all fairness, man, this, I mean, they score what, 20 points? 10. 10. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Broncos score 28. 38. 38. 38. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. They got destroyed Damn. by the Broncos. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't Maha? Ma- Maha? Yeah, it was. Yes. There was a lot going on. Let's put it that way, but nothing good for the Lions. And still, the Broncos are frauds. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, nah, they're not going anywhere. I just, just Teddy two gloves. It's like I like the two glove thing. Yeah, that's okay. Hey, uh, Cleve, do you want to predict the Lions win this coming week? Uh, without knowing their opponent, because mm-hmm. I have a schedule in front of me, win. They're, they host Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> But see, this is the funny part, is every time we've predicted a Lions win, they've come up short. This is where they'll get it. <laughs> they they know. They know. Wow. Just, th- just throw the playoff scene in a total disarray. Yes. Um, yeah, anyways, it's it's on, we got it on record here. The Lions will beat the Cardinals, Cleve said. All right. <laughs> the next game here, we have the Giants 21 at the Chargers 37. Holy shit balls the arm on Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he looked good. Man, this guy, 23 of 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I want to bet Justin Herbert to win next year's MVP as soon as I possibly can. He did look good in this game. Really good. But this is the ceiling that the Chargers have. And I think Dave was the one who said I could see them not losing after week 13. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... And 37 to 21 is not a fair representation of this game. This game was like 37 to 7. The Giants were fucking horrible in this game. Yes. Austin Eckler got a hangnail. and They were like, you're not going back in the game. We don't need you. Yeah. Man. And fellas, good Lord, is Mike Glennon's neck long? Like, oh, my God. I think at one point, I think I texted you and I was like a giraffe just ran a touchdown in for the for the Giants because his neck is abnormally long. Like Davis Mills is one thing, but Mike Glennon, like his helmet is like up to his like his cheekbone. <laughs> like, that's how long his neck is. And it, Chrissy's like, he needs to have bigger shoulder pads. And I was like, no, he needs half of the neck that he actually has to look like a normal human. Well, 
you know, I'm not sure if he's going to start this week, but Dan- Daniel Jones is out again with a neck injury. Ironically enough, yes. And I'm pretty sure Mike Glennon got a concussion when a space satellite crashed into his face. Yeah. So, Shit. like, we might get Jake Fromm this week for the Giants, and the Giants are done. However, apparently the dipshit owner of the Giants loves Joe Judge and really thinks he's found his next Bill Belichick. Seriously? He might keep his job. He, yeah. Like, not like a vote of confidence, but like really actually loves the guy and thinks he's the right man for the job. We might really keep Joe Judge for next year. Wow. So they're going to get rid of Gettleman wow. and keep Judge? I guess. I did not hear any takes on Gettleman from the owner, but apparently he just absolutely loves Joe Judge and thinks that he is the absolute man for the job. Wow. Does 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 Barkley have more than 500 yards this year? I don't think no, so. No, but he missed like half the season. He scored a touchdown in this game. Hey, no, the one the durability is what is what uh you know me. I'm always like about the durability. Like, do you think they move on next year in the rebuild with Joe Judge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, if I'm if I'm Saquon Barkley, I said I'm Charles Barkley. If I'm Saquon Barkley, I just want to move on myself. Like, why do you want to go back there? Yeah. By the way, Cleve, hundred carries, three hundred and seventy nine yards for oh, Barkley man. this year, and even in this game, sixteen carries for sixty four yards as the number three pick in the draft. Two, two, whatever. Ooh. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's uh could have gotten uh, that kind Austin. of production in the sixth round. Uh, by the way, uh, Matt, can you give me Austin Eckler's stat line real quick? Yes, filibuster because I just closed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I want to compare this Austin Eckler in his draft position. To Saquon Barkley. So what did Eckler do? 12 carries, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Basically the same exact thing. And he went out halfway through the second quarter and he was undrafted. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you you told me you could draft the target tonight and, and running back out, <laughs> out of 15 guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can find NFL running backs within five swipes on Tinder. Well, like, it's so anywhere. true, though. Yeah, boom, 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 done. Yeah, but yards. the whole thing has shifted, though. Like, I'm telling you... Long gone are the days of a feature back. Like, it just doesn't happen anymore. And no. if you have the offensive scheme, you could pull out so many of these guys interchangeably at this point. And I think there are some guys that, that stand out a little bit. But so, like, they're, they're not feature backs. Even Kamara, we said, shouldn't be getting 27 carries. Like, that's a little much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the next game, we have the 49ers 26 at the Bengals 23. Matt, pull up the Bengals for me in this one, too, please. I forgot to write down one of the things I needed to uh first of all the 49ers scored 26 points in this game look at that which went to overtime and they had two muffed punts yes they they did (laughs) and they managed 26 points once again the Bengals, by and large were the better team on the day but they took another l because of dumb mistakes Mm -hmm. if they could ever just avoid those stupid mistakes they actually would be pretty good like could play with anybody in the afc pretty good but they just cannot avoid these stupid mistakes and then i've been calling for jamar chase big day and it finally hit matt what did jamar chase do five catches 77 yards and two tutters and he and he had another one that he barely dropped in the end zone correct yeah he had a couple of drops in this one but uh not nearly as egregious as i think it was last week or the week before uh, yes, absolutely. And then my other note on this game, okay, let's bring up Aaron Hernandez again. George Kittle is better now. <laughs> Are you okay, Cleve? <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you please stop drinking and podcasting? Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, George Kittle is better now than Gronk ever was. I just made that argument today. 
actually. Really? I, yeah, I just, yes. I actually, when I recorded are for you my- guys dr- Are you guys drunk? No. When, no, no, no. When I recorded for my other show, I actually said that. I was like, I actually said George Kittle actually feels better than Gronk did in his prime because Gronk was getting thrown to by Brady in his prime. And Gronk is doing this with Jimmy G and uh, CJ Beathard and a lot of others. Nick Mullins. Whatever. But the, the thing is, George Kittle is just as good of a run blocker as Gronk, which is part of what makes Gronk so great is his ability yep. to run block. Sure. He is better as a pass catcher. He's a better he's, route runner, too. So my note is that he's Gronk and Aaron Hernandez in one person. Yeah. I mean, he and he just plays so tough. Like, yeah. And that's the thing is like that. That was one thing that made Gronk stand out, too, is like you just could not take him down. Like if you had to put your best guy on him and even that wasn't a guarantee. And there's just something about Kittle, kind of like we said about Parsons, like he just has a nose for the ball. He makes ridiculous catches and he gets yards after the catch, too. That's the other thing is it's not as if he's doing 150 yards on 800 button hooks like Jason Whitney here. He's actually out there (laughs) running routes. So I think this is the second week in a row he's had over 150 and it was yeah. some stat or something like that. But uh, yeah, he was fantastic in this game. Just nuts. If we were doing a fantasy draft of the entire league, Kittle would be for sure be the first tight end that I took. And I'm trying to think where I would take in relation to wide receivers. And I, I might only take like 15 wide receivers ahead of him. Maybe 20. I mean, the paradigm is, is a lot different now. There's, I mean, the, the Kyle Pitts of the world are probably more in like they're more normal now like yes. we're seeing a lot more guys like that coming into the league than we ever used to so kittle and was kittle was low drafted too he wasn't a high draft pick was he he was second or third round. was he i thought he was lower than that for some reason no like he's one of those. He, he, he's one of the it's him Noah Fant, tj hawkinson he's one of the iowa tight ends that just keeps coming through yeah he's so good by the way uh cleave debo samuel big receiving day for him eight uh eight carries for 37 yards and a touchdown inexplicably i don't understand that at all but uh, it, one catch 22 yards there's he's just playing running back yeah like the, eli mitchell was out jeff wilson is plays like a football player named jeff wilson like you would expect yes and so they were like debo's debo's gonna get the uh gonna get the carries which is what's helping kittle get all these numbers of course yeah. right because but uh so that's a, by the way joe mixon back to his old his old habit uh 18 carries 58 yards so welcome back to earth joe mixon is is uh is Kittle saving Jimmy G's job? Uh, yes, because yeah. George Kittle's recently won the last three weeks. Yeah, so sure shit isn't Jimmy G and his twenty six points after two muff punts in overtime. <laughs> well, they they lost to the Seahawks last week, but Kittle had a ridiculous performance in that one too. Like that was a game yeah. they could have actually won and probably should have won. But yeah, yeah I mean, Jimmy G's weapons are actually helping him a lot, and I think if he like. If Jared Goff was on this 49ers team, they probably would have the same record, wouldn't they? Yes. Yeah, so I think that that says a lot about Jimmy G. Like, if you put Jimmy G on the Lions, ooh, boy. Here's a question. <laughs> if this 49ers team had Mitch Trubisky, would they have more wins? They might. They'd be fun, too. They'd be hella fun. Yeah. yeah. Would they be Would they be better suited to beat the teams that are clearly better than them in the playoffs if they had Mitch Trubisky instead of Jimmy G? I think that's very valid because you talked about running quarterbacks, and one thing about Mitch is he's very athletic. And I, I swear, you, you watch, like, he's going to get a job somewhere again. And I think it might actually work out because he won't have Matt Nagy as his coach. And he might actually have some weapons that better complement what he does. Yeah. So all I'm saying is that I think Mitch Trubisky is better than Jimmy G is really what I'm trying to get trying to get here. And that it's a testament to how good the 49ers are that they keep winning with a quarterback worse than Mitch Trubisky. Yep. 
Wow. The next game here, we have the Bills 27 at the Bucks 33. Another crazy game. The Bucks blew a huge lead in this game, and the Bills lost this game because of their head coach. So he kicked a 21-yard field goal to make the score 10-3. to why are you kicking 21 yard field goals? That's from the three yard line. You have Josh Allen score a touchdown. Yeah, you have to at least give it. You have to give it a try. I mean, right. if you don't get it, you're on the three yard line. Like they stop right. you on the three yard line. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then they punted on a fourth and two from their own 46, down by multiple scores. Yeah, that's a really odd. De- that that was a very odd decision to me. I'm like, uh, you guys need possessions. Like, giving the ball away with as little time as there was. It's like the clock's ticking here, fellas. Yeah, it was just it was aggravating to watch at the time because I'm thinking like, well, okay, but if everything goes the way the Bills need it to go, they can't be punting here. Like, they need they need to be making decisions as if what they need to happen is going to happen. And I don't understand NFL coaches. And a lot of college coaches, to be honest, who are like trying to lose as slowly as possible. <laughs> That's good. Loses like we, we'd rather bleed out than just be shot in the head. Right. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you lose. It's not like European soccer where like you could be relegated because your goal differential is too high. Like it doesn't matter if you lose 33 to three or 33 to 30. Like it's all a loss. The best part about this game to me was the <laughs> fact that the. Bills scored like 27 unanswered after Cleve said, can we stop jerking the Bills off in the text thread? So I thought that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm t- it was great because you said that and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, Bills are looking pretty good here. All of a sudden it's like there's another touchdown. But I will, I do have to say this about the Bills. I feel like the Bills are talented. And their record doesn't show how talented they are because they've lost a couple of games early in the season or earlier in the season that really... They, they couldn't afford to lose, but they hang, they hung tough in the second half with the Bucks. And I don't know if it's more indicative of the talent that the Bills actually have or that the Bucks just let off the gas pedal. I'm not sure what, um, but I, I, I was actually impressed that the Bills were able to come back in this game. And I thought that it actually showed that they can be dangerous in the playoffs if they get in. But now at seven and six, their margin for error is like razor thin. I bet the Bills to win the AFC. Ah, you see this? Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, Again, getting getting decent odds. I got to be nine to one. Um, Okay, yeah, getting odds. That that makes a lot of sense, but straight up. Uh, But, I mean, Josh Allen brought the team back. He really did. And... Mm -hmm. But I think Brady improved to some something like thirty-one and three or thirty-three and three against the Bills in his career or some stupid. That's bullshit. ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And again, I've said this before. Holy it's like if you're a Bills fan, you're like, I thought we got rid of this fucking guy. Returns. <laughs> I mean, if if the Bills and Bucks have a rematch in the Super Bowl, the Bills just don't play, right? <laughs> they send they send Mitch out there. Actually, that'd be better. And try them yeah. out. No, they trade Mitch to the Bucks so that he has the quarterback the Bucks to try to, to try to win the game. The uh the next game here we've got the Bears 30 at the Packers 45. This game was bonkers, okay? So 45 total points were scored in the second quarter. Just insane. The Bears had a 24 to 10 lead, but it honestly never felt like they were going to win. No. No. Uh, however, the should have been number two overall pick for the New York Jets, Justin Fields, 18 of 33, 224 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, but nine carries for 74 yards. This kid is legit, and I hope they make a smart hire. I mean, I hope they don't because they're the Bears, but for his sake, I hope that they do. Yep. This game yeah. felt like uh, Rocky Four, uh, and it felt like 
uh, Apollo was getting his jabs in and then the corner said finish him and then all of a sudden the Packers came back and said yeah okay four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers and I fucking own you uh Cleve Devontae Adams did not have a catch in the first quarter how many catches in yards and touchdowns did he end with uh catches nine how many yards um 128 and how many touchdowns two 10 121 and two that's that's Almost right on. That's yeah. very good. You're on fire tonight. No, well, I, I saw, I saw, I saw most of the game. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but still, he only plays three quarters basically, yeah. and just you know smokes them. And the other thing here on my image that I printed out is that the Packers are now the number one seed. That's correct. That's correct. That's huge, actually, and yes. uh, that's that's a huge advantage for them. And their last game of the season is against the Lions, so that's an auto win as well. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So. They only have a couple more opportunities to to screw this up and give it away. Did they rest their starters? <laughs> I don't think they'll be able to. I think like Tampa or somebody will be too close to them and be able able to jump them. Oh. But uh, they probably could. Any oh, I, I don't know. I think the Lions could beat Jordan Love. Uh, I think a high school kid, a high school team could beat Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get that jersey for Dave's birthday, Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> With and it says golf on the back. <laughs> uh, it's goof. Thank you. Yeah. Goof. Oh shit! And then the uh, the final game of the week, the big game on Monday night, which I did what I said. I got fried chicken, a real soda. I'm sorry for my Michigan people. Pop. I got real pop. He did. Um. <laughs> he did predict this, by the way, in the post game. So he's he's staying okay. true to his character. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got the Rams 30 at the Cardinals 23. Two weeks ago, I said that the three-game losing streak for the Rams wouldn't matter coming out of the bye so long as they won against the Jags and then they beat the Cardinals on the road because they'd be 9-4 and four and it, uh, be so happy about everything. It'd be three weeks since their last loss. That's exactly what's happened. Everybody's on the Rams again. Nobody cares they lost three straight games with like total ass while they were doing it. They're nine and four. They're one game out from winning the division now. And uh yeah, they look great. Irony is the Rams, I think, are five and two on the road this season. So they're probably gonna have to go on the road unless they win the division and get home field to to get to the Super Bowl. So they clearly are a better road team than I think we 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 think that they are. So yeah, well they don't want to win at home because of the shitty food. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Nice bringing it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. apparently. And uh, Cardinals, I got to ask a question. Uh, Hopkins is out for the rest of the year. Yes. Are, are we feeling a little bit concerned about the the Super Bowl chances of the Cardinals? Uh, no, actually. Uh, so this stat is not exactly right, but it's close enough. A.J. Green is averaging like five and a half targets per game this year. And DeAndre Hopkins is at six and a half or something like right you know, that's yeah. made, it illustrates the point, right? Okay, yeah. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is not dominated. He's not their Devontae Adams. He's not their Justin Jefferson. He's just one of the guys that they have out there. I think I think that they'd be worse off if they lost James Conner. And I can't believe I'm actually yeah, saying that. I was, just, <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was, Dave, no shit. I was just about to say that. Wow. I mean, the guy is helping himself. And, you know, you know me. I like a guy that helps himself. Pause. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... I think they're they're rolling pretty good, but Kyler needs to like settle down a little bit because um gets a little reckless sometimes. He like he likes to force things. He likes to yeah. really go out there trying to make a play. Yeah, you think that like you think that's the play call? Or you think that's him just 
just doing a little bit too much. No, he's he's very Mahomesian in that he just goes out there and he, you know, when he breaks contain, he gets on the move. Aaron Rodgers is the same way. He just needs to calibrate it a little bit better, and he he will. He's he's got way more ceiling to explore. Kyler Murray is only like sixty percent of what he's going to be if he gets again first ballot Hall of Fame. Kyler Murray is like what he would be in the NFL, what Johnny Manziel was in college, right? So he's. He's would, got you, a ways you, to go. Would you take him over Lamar if you, if you had to build a team? I would not, but I would not argue with anybody who did. Cleve's still taking Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't matter. Of course. Yes, of course. Cleve, Cleve is taking Y.A. Tittle. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, did you guys see that doppelganger in the, in, in the crowd? That fucking guy looks just like him? Looks just like that? him and looks just as immunized as him. Yeah. So we're all... <laughs> But I just realized something about the Packers' home field advantage. Isn't Wisconsin in a shit show with COVID? So really, their home field advantage is unvaccinated people going to the game so that they can, oh, uh, you know, so they can take people out on the way to the Super Bowl. Just a, a house of horrors, bro. Completely Jesus. reckless speculation on my part, but uh, a fun, a fun speculation a if you house ask me. Of horrors. Well, the thing is, by January, this entire country is going to look like a. Uh, uh, by the end of January, the entire country is going to look like Wisconsin and Michigan do right now. This it's it's going to be very bad around playoff time, and I cannot wait until the like the Rams and the Bucks and the NFC title game have to roll out. No fans. Who are the backups? Literally, like I have no idea. But like Tom Brady has to miss the NFC title game because he has COVID. Can you imagine? Man, is you, man? There could be some bad football ahead, man. Speaking, you know, not not you know, not discounting. Could be some bad football ahead. Man, I, I can't remember who the Rams backup is. I thought it was like Sean Mannion or something like that, or that's who it had been in previous. It, it's not good either way. It's not good. Blake Bortles. I, I, I actually is it Blake Bortles? No, no, fucking around. He's somewhere in the league though. He is a backup. I thought he, somewhere. I thought he signed with the Rams. He might have actually. Are you kidding me? Hold on. All right, we got we got to look that up. Uh, he if did. He's still in the fucking league, bro. Jesus. He did sign uh, with somebody because they were, they had some quarterbacks go down, and uh, they had to they they had to sign somebody because it's like they needed somebody as a uh, as an emergency stopgap. Uh, Packers looks like maybe I don't know. Either way, he's in a Packers yeah. jersey, but it doesn't actually say so. Blake Bortles is still in the fucking league. Oh, Holy you know what? Shit. That is true. They signed him because of the Aaron Rodgers COVID thing, and then because of his oh, toe yeah. and all that stuff. So that's why they signed him. So he's buried somewhere. Uh, Man, Blake, Blake <laughs> fucking Bortles. And Good by the way, him, Blake Bortles, last quarterback to take the Jags to an AFC title game. So <laughs> stick that in your pipe and smoke it, folks. Man, popping Bortles. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was, uh, so yeah, so that was the that was the last game from uh, from last week. And all in all, I mean, I thought it was a pretty a pretty decent week. We you know we had a a bunch of games that were blowouts. They got close with Vikings, Steelers, football team, Cowboys, uh, Bucks, Bills. So I thought it was. Uh, pretty pretty exciting all the way around yeah i thought so too um the only thing and this is how we're going to close the show out here so uh the world of football and just the world in general lost to marius thomas as you guys know uh mm-hmm. 33 years old and from all accounts it seems uh stand-up guy not just on the field but but off the field and i did some research mm-hmm. into him and did a lot of really great things for kids organizations which i think is a great thing uh, when you're an athlete and looking at his story, I think uh, he witnessed his mom being taken away from a drug raid when he was like nine or something like that. Mom was, and grandma. Yeah. It, and it was a fortunate, unfortunate situation where they couldn't make ends meet. And this, this happens all too often. But 
I'm going to end the show with a quote, guys. And uh, this is a quote from him. It was in the Players' Tribune, and I think this is a perfect way to end the show. He says, as men, as athletes especially, we don't like to talk about love. We talk about brotherhood and all that, but not love. But it's the most important thing in a child's life, more important than the kind of school you go to or what neighborhood you live in, or even if you grow up around drugs and violence. If you're loved, you'll make it out. And I think that that is perfect for this time of year because there's so many families right now that are struggling to make ends meet while a lot of us are very fortunate. And I think it's uh, incumbent on the listeners to help out whoever you can. And whether that's wearing a mask wherever you go out, whether that's donating or whether that's paying for Cleve's groceries because they think that he's really poor, like when he tried to pay it forward. Um <laughs> <laughs> so Cleve thanks you this time of year but I thought that quote was great and uh, you don't have to be a parent I don't think to, to understand that sentiment because whether you're a parent or not the young people in this world are going to be coming up and, and leading, this, leading, leading the charge here so anything that we can do to make their lives better and uh, you know I think that it's what we can do so unfortunately rest in peace to Demaris Thomas and a great receiver and uh stand-up individual and i think there are far less of those in the nfl than there ever used to be so that's all we got for for this week fellas uh dave and i are gonna do the post game as always cleve thanks for your time and uh, gentlemen talk to you next week See the opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of cleve dave and maddie ice and not necessarily those of the maddie ice media network Political Football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.